So welcome, those of you also who are joining us online, it's so good to have you, and so good to see you, uh, you know, that those of you that are here this morning. I want to continue to uh, talk through this series about the Jesus community. And last week we began with the themes, friends unlike each other. How when Jesus selected his first disciples, he drew together individuals with very, very different political points of view. He also drew together individuals of really different personality types. Some were challengers, ready to go, step in, always ready for a fight. Others were a little bit slower in processing. I need a little more evidence, need a few more facts before I'm ready to commit my life. And then we also see as the church developed that he intentionally drew together into single congregations, people of all sorts of different ethnic backgrounds, people of different cultural experience, people of different social status, people of different educational background. And he said, I want to show this world what the miracle of love can do. Is that human beings, what we do is that we cluster people who are alike together and we draw a boundary around it and say, well, that's one standalone group and here's another standalone group. But what Jesus done is, does is he breaks down the dividing walls between us and he says, this is the transforming love our world needs, is that it needs friends unlike each other. It needs people who come around the person of God and the presence of God and the gospel of God and the purpose of the kingdom and say, we can, we can leave aside our strongly held points of view. And we can learn from each other's differing points of view, but they're not enough to divide us. And we can continue to be the solution this world needs because this world does not need further division right now. This world needs a capacity to love despite differing experiences and points of view and come together in this time. Let's be the Jesus community like never before here at the Garden. I want to talk this morning about the Jesus community as a place for healing. And uh, a favorite psalm is Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. This psalm says, Behold, how good and pleasant, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It is like the precious anointing oil on the head running down on the beard of the beard of Aaron, running down and saturating the collar of his robe. This type of unity is like the dew of Mount Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. And in this place, where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is in this place there the Lord has commanded, he has decreed a blessing, and that blessing is life itself, life forevermore. And um, the call to dwell together in unity really is the heart of what it means to be a Jesus community. At the heart of the Jesus community is a commitment. It's not, a, it's not casual relationships, but it is an exchange of commitment to each other. It's a commitment to doing spiritual, relational, and natural life together in the presence and pursuit of Jesus. What draws us together 
And what is the core of our commitment is not our political allegiance, is not the likeness of our personality, is not the shared experience of our past history. What draws us together and keeps us together is the presence of Jesus and the pursuit of knowing him more. And that's what sets the church apart from any other social organization on the, in the world is that we are one and we are united and we are committed because of the presence of God in our life and the common pursuit of knowing him more and wanting to serving, serve him effectively. And that's why we do our whole life together. That's why we, we grow together spiritually. That's why we form social relationships and friendships and, and build that connection with each other. And also, but in that unity, there is a release of physical health and well-being into our life. There's a release of provision and what we need as, as human beings into our life. Where there is unity, God's life and healing is released. And the description of this unity actually takes us back to Genesis 1 and 2, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Paradise, life as God intended it to be. God intended us as human beings to be intimately connected to him and to be deeply connected to each other. And when it says, behold, how good and how pleasant, we can hear in that description, good and pleasant, the words out of Genesis 1 and 2, uh, the litany in chapter 1, God saw it was good again and again and again and again. And then particularly in Genesis 2, verses 8 and 9, where the garden is described with these very words. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden. I believe he's also planted a garden in Bakersfield. God planted a garden in Eden and make, made it spring up every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. That pleasant and good place is what then, although lost through sin and rebellion and brokenness and blame and shame, when God's people come together in unity, he starts to give the grace of paradise one more time. He brings us back to that instant, intended state of connectedness to him and deep connection to each other and the world is as it should be amen it's good and pleasant just like it was back in his original design in the garden of eden and then the psalmist goes on and compares the power of this sort of united love this united commitment where we have intentionally chosen to guard our relationships with each other where we have intentionally chosen to work through things that are difficult in our relationship with each other and not simply walk away, when we've intentionally chosen at times to have hard conversations to preserve our connectedness. I'll talk about this next week. I've put it off as long as I could, but you know, sometimes you gotta have hard sermons about hard conversations. But, but, but where we work for this type of unity, it, the psalmist says it's like the anointing oil for, min for ministry and for worship. It is like the precious anointing oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down to the collar of his robes. And the image here is of uh, the anointing of the high priest in the Old Testament, uh, and particularly of Aaron himself by Moses, in which you weren't just dabbed with a little bit of oil, 
but they took a horn full of oil and as a sign that in the ministry that you're going to be doing, in the sacrifice of worship and in the blessing of people, there is a saturation of God's presence coming upon your life. And they would pour out this entire horn of oil on Aaron's head or the, the head of the high priest, and it would run down their face, and their face would begin to glisten as though it was reflecting the glory of God. And it was a sign to all of the empowerment of God. It's going to take more than human ability and human wisdom and human goodwill to to help our world in this time, we need God's help. And all of our ministries, everything that we do, whether we serve secretly and quietly or we serve in public, how many of you say, it's got to be more than just me and my effort. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that saturation of that sense that my life is about more than simply what I can do on my own. But there's a supernatural transaction that happens when his grace and his power comes over my obedience to do what he's instructed me to do. And we can seek this anointing on our own, and I believe that's important to do in the quiet place of our life. And we can seek this anointing by asking those that have uh, you know, are operating in that anointing to lay their hands on us. I also believe in there. But there is also another thing that I believe the Bible says is that seeking the anointing on your own is not ever going to give you the full measure of anointing because there's an anointing that comes when we are in community together. Because community challenges us to love, Right? And of course, love is at the center of what all ministry should be about. It's not about making me feel better about myself. It's not building up fame and acclaim for me. It is that somehow in serving others with spiritual gifts and with natural, natural care, that somehow the love of God is released in that. And on that release of love, there comes the power of the Spirit to make it something supernatural. And so we need each other to see the full release of what God wants to do. We need the unity that comes from his presence and pursuing his presence together. The psalmist goes on to another analogy. He says, unity is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. And uh, this is a picture of Israel actually looking north at the very northern border. And you can see there probably in the background this, a mountain range that's snow-capped. That's actually Mount Hermon. And um, all of the amazing agriculture of the land uh, that is there in Israel is sourced from the, the dew and the snowpack that falls on the mountain range. And there's times in Israel in which that entire mountain range will be white with snow and there won't be any snow in the ground. But the psalmist says that unity creates this snow-covered mountain that is actually the water source for the entire land of Israel. The melting snows on Mount Hermon there in the very, very north is the source of the River Jordan, which with along with rain is the major provider of water in Israel. Just like here in Kern County, when we have water, our land blossoms. We become the, the breadbasket of the nation. We're able to extract 
oil from our land. Water is essential for the well-being of our land. If you take that water away, suddenly our land barely functions. The same is for Israel. Without the snowpack on Mount Hermon, there was no source for the, the primary water, the water of life for the whole nation that comes through the Jordan River. And when Israel has water, Israel, the desert blossoms like a rose. And it's one of the major food providers for the entire region with what they do with agriculture. But it's all dependent on water, on, on, on the moisture that falls on Mount Hermon. And that's why the psalmist says, like the dew of Hermon and the snowpack that it creates, there is a power that doing life together truly in a committed way, spirit, relationship, physically doing life together, living in unity, preserving unity, fighting for unity, there comes a life that's released into our personal lives, into our families, into our community that we cannot achieve on our own by ourselves. In a, in, in a messaging right now in our culture that's just promoting so much individualism and I can do it by myself and, and relationships wander in and out of my life according to sort of how they suit me in, in this little season of life. God is saying, this is not what I intended. This type of isolation, this type of disconnection is not what I intended for a man. You are called to live together in unity because there is a life, a water of life that is released only when we truly live in commitment to each other. You hearing me on this? And the healing water is such a powerful image, just like that river Jordan gives life to the whole nation. At the end of times, when everything is resolved, this is how God describes the restoration of Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, the water of life brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. May the river of life flow through the middle of Bakersfield, California. And on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Where there's water, then God starts to bring healing, life itself, to the physical realm, to our relational realm, to our spiritual lives. And where there is this unity that is like the anointing oil on Aaron the priest, that is like the, the life-giving water that comes from, from the snows falling on Mount Hermon, where there is this type of unity among God's people, it says there, this place of unity, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life, life forevermore. And God commands a blessing. He decrees a release of an anointing of physical, relational, and spiritual life itself. He speaks it from heaven, just like he spoke the word into existence. But where there is unity... God decrees life, a blessing of life, physical life, relational life, spiritual life, when people dwell and contend and commit to living together as one. 
And when you take the time to reach out to someone who God's put on your heart and saying they're feeling a little lonely, they may not be saying anything, but they're feeling a bit alone right now, or reminds you to pray and communicate to somebody, hey, you're on my heart and I'm praying for you. Um, even this morning, as I, as I go to prayer every morning, God starts to drop people into my heart. I probably texted five people this morning. Uh, hope they didn't mind at 6 a.m. That's when I was uh, ready to text them. But just to let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. God, God put you on my heart. And, and it's not saying that my prayers are uniquely special. It's saying there's a God in heaven who loves you, and he's putting your need onto the heart of other people. And you're not alone. We care for you. We're contending for you. We're leaning in for your healing. We're praying for that restoration in that area of your life. We're praying for blessing. That new job is coming. Those new contracts are coming into your business. See, when we contend for unity, heaven is listening. When you have a hard conversation with somebody, because that relationship would be easy just to sort of let drift apart because of misunderstanding or hurt, heaven is listening and saying, Bless that courage. And when you say, I forgive, I lay down my sense of justice because we are family and we will stay connected. Heaven is listening and then there comes a sound from the throne of the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. I command a blessing of life into that individual, into that family, into that church, into that city because they are choosing unity right now. What we do here together on Sunday morning when we worship and when you join us in worship online, what we do together impacts a lot more than just our personal lives. Because in that unity of heart and that unity of worship and that unity of faith and the commitment to be together as a community, I believe that God commands blessing and life because of what we do together. We love Joe Wester. Joe uh, and her husband Don retired here to Bakersfield uh, almost a couple decades ago. And uh, I got to meet Joe when she was actually part of the National Prayer Breakfast back in D.C., hosting presidents and kings from all around the world. She had the personal phone numbers of people that you'd like to shake your hand, shake their hand one day. She, she, she you know, had an amazing life blessing people, but she and her husband, Don, retired here. We've loved having them be part of this community. And recently, Don passed away, and Joe's gone through that loss. Uh, but uh, accompanying that, there came some physical issues in her life. And just want to share uh, an incredible testimony of what God has done because of a release of life when we were together in his presence. Enjoy this video. God, who is the only one that knows the number of our days, um, called Don home. We were very, very close, had a special love for each other. And so I stayed there with him, holding his hand and talking to him. His daughter came down from Fresno. His son came up from Ensenada. And, and um, in the end, we were all there with him. And I was talking to him and watching him. And he drew his last breath. No pain, which I had prayed. A little while afterwards, a few days later, I noticed that I started having uh, trouble breathing. And when I would try to get up and walk, I would be dizzy. If I was going to make a turn around a corner in the house, I would be dizzy. I called uh, 
a friend who lived uh, a mile and a half away, and she came over and rushed me down to the doctor, and he didn't call it anything, actually. He said that my heart was beating three times and then stopped pausing, and then and beating another three times, and he said I should go to my cardiologist, so he put a monitor on me for 48 hours. And he didn't call me back about it for a couple of weeks, so I knew it wasn't anything really serious. But when he did call, he told me it was uh, a pre-beat, that my heart would beat, and it would get in the way of the regular beat. And so it would then skip a beat, and it was happening every three beats. And I wasn't getting enough oxygen to my brain and because the blood flow was disturbed. and and he thought that's what was causing the dizziness. On Sunday the 26th, Pastor Donna was preaching a sermon. I was watching it on my TV. I began to just sense the presence of God there in the room. I just, in fact, I'm getting kind of chills just thinking of it right now. And I could feel in my, the palms of my hands were getting warm him up to my cheek, yeah, it was warm, you know, but it just kept getting hotter and hotter. I've never sensed the, the presence of God that strongly before in my life. And then she was finished, so I turned everything off and got up to go get a cup of coffee, and I got out into the kitchen, and I noticed that I wasn't dizzy anymore. So I took a deep breath and I could get all the air I needed. And I realized that I had been healed during that time that I was feeling and sensing the presence of God so strongly. And I just, I just knew that God had healed me. I didn't have to ask or think about it. I just knew that he had healed me. And I just thank him so much for waiting for me <laughs> to really see and acknowledge in my heart and my soul and my spirit who he really is. God is good. He's really good to me my whole life. Amen. Joe has not had any of those symptoms since that moment when, when the Lord came into her living room and just set, settled his presence on her. That's a wonderful thing, right? But, but what I want you to see is that at that same time, the atmosphere had been prepared by, by the unity of worship happening here and online together, and by, the, by the, the faith that was being generated, by the word of God being listened to and believed. And what was happening when, when there was unity being expressed is God reached his hand out all the way there to southwest Bakersfield and touched, commanded life for Joe. And what we do together impacts a lot more than what's literally just here in this room. But when, when we commit to, to a unity of faith and a unity of life, blessing and life is released. And I'm I, uh, just so thankful to see, you know, the healing presence of God operate in that way. 
Additionally, beyond just that spontaneous touch of God, we have commands in the New Testament that say, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sin, he will be forgiven. And so along with praying for ourselves. There, there is a unique power in praying in community when we let those who have spiritual leadership in the church know that we're wrestling with a certain issue. And God says, share with them what, what your need is. And as they pray and maybe come and physically anoint you with oil, we can believe that, that healing is going to occur. And we've seen that many, many times here in the history of the garden. But this instruction goes on and broadens it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Not, not simply bring your requests only to those that are leaders, but as a body, as a family, as a community, pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And there is a certain vulnerability that releases supernatural grace where instead of just bearing up on your, with your burden all by yourself, you let other people in the family know and say, hey, I'm going through this, or I've got this uncertainty right now, or I'm facing this diagnosis. But as we pray for each other, I believe that God has reserved a measure of healing exclusively for the place of community. That is, it, it, it might be amazing, and you may have a, an incredible experience in going and praying for someone who has a unique healing anointing to go to a healing meeting, but there's also a measure, and I'm seeking that measure. I know we want that measure, where just as we lean together and pray for each other, we see again and again testimonies of miraculous healing, because this is a promise of God's word. Pray for each other, and we will be healed. And uh, Diane Wong is going to be sharing uh, just a bit of her story this morning. And about a year ago, Di Diane and I have known each other since uh, I think I got back, and Janelle and I got back here in about 87. I think that pretty closely after that, uh, Diane began involved in lots of the ministries uh, that uh, Janelle and I were involved in and just been a part of the garden for uh, a long, long time. But a year ago, she began to be acutely ill. And I know that there have been scores of you out there that have either directly laid hands on her or just been contending and praying for her and loving on her and uh, just love to share the, the outcome now of what God has done. Watch this video. About a year ago, I started um, not feeling well. I was exhausted all the time. I started losing weight without dieting or anything and it was coming off very quickly. I was exhausted. I had a lot of pain, very severe pain. When my doctor said she was 98% sure it was lymphoma, when she left the room, I just kind of was in shock. And then I just kind of started talking to God in my head. And I was like, what are we doing? And he said to me, do you trust me? And I said, well, yeah, I trust you. <laughs> and he said, will you walk through this with me? I ended up getting a lot of tests done, biopsy, bone biopsies. 
Um, and then they decided they would um, send me down to Cedar sinai to a rheumatologist thinking it was an autoimmune thing. So I went in March to Cedar sinai uh, The doctor there did blood work and it came back and sure enough she said it's autoimmune. It's a disease called mixed connective tissue. It has to do with antibodies and underlying lupus. In the meantime, I was like, okay, but what's happening? I still was in pain. I still was exhausted, different things happening. But in the meantime, I'm like, Lord, what's going on with the rest of it? And I never got an answer. Three months later, we retest me, which was just this month of July. Got the lab work back was on the video call with the doctor. And she has this question mark on her face. I could just see like, what? And I'm like, oh dear, what? She goes, everything's normal. And I heard God say, you're healed. And I was just like, okay. So I think through all this process, he has taught me to trust him 100%. Even when I felt like I was letting go of his hand, he grabbed it and said, don't let go. I have you. I'm a <laughs> Would you welcome Diana? So I thank you, Diane, for um, come all the way into the light here. Um, uh, thank you so much for interrupting my vacation with that great phone call that said I got the test back and it's completely normal. So you had been initially given the diagnosis, 98% certain that you had a blood cancer of some sort and a lymphoma, and then a follow-up diagnosis after that that you had a very acute form of autoimmune disease. You were in a lot of pain all the time. And yeah, what was happening in your life right then? Well, um, like I said on the video, am I good? Uh, I was in a extreme pain, extreme pain throughout my body. And I had lost weight. I looked like I was, I don't know, somebody could tell me this, but like 90 years old. Um, had no energy at all. And then, um, you know, I had several doctors say the lymphoma, and then um, we came back with the autoimmune. Wow, and how are you feeling now? <laughs> like my, better than my old self, honestly. I had, di I had diabetes, can I say this real quick? Mm -hmm. I had diabetes for many years. I had um, fought with asthma and COPD for a lot of years because I was so overweight. But um, God has healed all that. I have not taken wow. any medication for any of that for over seven months, so. Yeah, and so what would you share with people who may be facing a similar battle uh, in their health right now? I would say take his hand, walk through it with him, trust him a hundred percent. 
I learned for myself I didn't totally trust him. And through this, I now trust him 100% plus. I'm never letting go. I haven't let go of that hand, and I'm never letting go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing that you shared with me is that this is having an impact on some people close to you that are, are trying to process their faith. Yeah. So I've been married. It's going to be 35 years in a couple of months here um, to a man that's not a believer. Um, got to kind of make this short, but um, we've not had a relationship for many, many, many years, probably over 20 years. We live together, but we don't have a relationship. And um, God has begun to change things. We actually have conversations. We actually sit together and eat a meal. We laugh together. Um, I have two daughters that live in Arizona that um, have kind of walked away from the church. Um, but through all of this, they've come to see what God has done, and I sent them the video. <laughs> but I know God's bringing them back. Yeah. <laughs> they now ask me to pray for them through trials that they go through. And my daughter got married last November, and her in-laws live in Canada, and I've been... Um, Became a friend of her mother-in-law, who is a believer, but I wasn't sure where, you know, or what. But I've been sharing our online services with her. And a couple of weeks ago, her and her husband got baptized. Woo! <laughs> so, church family, I just really want us to see, yeah, God loves us individually. And he heals us because he loves us. But he uses those experiences in our life to let other people know about Jesus. And, and that's why it's so important that we continue to contend and, and pray for each other so that we can be healed is because we, we, we want to see health and wholeness for that individual. But we also know God's got much bigger plans beyond that to use those declarations of his power for our good. So, Diane, would you be willing to pray for us now? And so... Uh, just bow your heads, and if you have a health need right now in your body, would you just slip your hand up? Just bow your heads, and Diane, go ahead and, and just uh, pray out uh, healing. And, and also, just online, if you just uh, indicate, uh, yeah, that's me, I need a touch right now, put your hand on your heart, uh, and then, Diane, would you pray? Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the garden community, my garden family, Lord, who have helped to bring me through this. Father God, for these with their hands up and for those at home, Father, Lord, I just ask that they hear your voice, Lord, and that they grab on to you and your promises to them. Father God, I just ask that you um, would bring healing even right now as they're just sitting and waiting. Lord, I pray to discouragement to leave in the name of Jesus and that the Holy Spirit just come in with encouragement and peace. Yes. I just thank you for what you've done for me, what you've done for Joe, what you've done for Carl. Father God, we want more. Yeah. We want more. You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. And I just thank you, Father God. And we just bless our family. 
Thank you, Diane. Would you thank Diane? So the Jesus community, our life together, is a place for the wounded and the sick to find God's healing. And God commands a blessing. He decrees from heaven itself a release of an anointing of physical, relational, spiritual life when his people dwell together in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant. It takes us back to the Garden of Eden, God's original intent for us. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together. Not always easy, but it's worth doing, right? Dwell together in unity. It is like the precious anointing oil that was poured out on Aaron, the high priest, that saturated down to his robes and anointed him for worship and for ministry. It's like the dews that fall upon Mount Hermon and, and that, that snowpack that is created releases the water of life to the entire nation. When we dwell in unity, that river of healing begins to emerge in our lives and flows upon us and through us out to those that are in need. Because it is in this place of unity that God himself decrees blessing and life healing and restoration, and above all, life forevermore. And so I want to call us together at this time as a church family to have unity in a time of pandemic. So much isolation, there's so much threatening of, of, of just wanting to withdraw and hunker down, but we need each other, and our world needs us to be connected to each other. Number one, in a nation splitting apart, allow Christ, not a human point of view, to bind us together. Yes, we have different political points of view. Yes, we have different personalities. Yes, we have different likes and dislikes. Yes, we have different backgrounds in our life. But none of those things is really what make us one. What makes us one is the presence and the purpose of pursuing Jesus together. And so let's contend for that. Let's fight to stay in connection and contact as a church family. It's real easy just to binge yourself into oblivion on one Netflix series after another, but you know what? A brother or sister may actually need you to text them or call them to express your concern and affection. I would encourage you, now more than ever, respond to the prompt of the Spirit. When that person just comes to your heart, take that as the voice of the Holy Spirit, pray for them, and then let them know you're praying for them. Or just call and say, hey, how are you doing? I miss seeing you. Uh, can we just catch up? More than ever, we need to be intentional and deliberate in our connection and in our communication, in our contacting each other. Amen? Do it whether you feel like it or not. Because it is so vital right now for our life together. And that commitment to unity releases anointing. And then the other is to share our needs and, and be vulnerable enough to let people know what's going on in your life. And then, in turn, pray for each other like never before. You know, there's something about prayer. When I pray for you uh, as individuals or families in the congregation, it activates my love for you, which may sort of actually grow a little bit dim if, if I don't see people for a long time or if I'm not in their life. I can sort of... You know, 
I'm probably a bad pastor, but I think it's pretty human, right? Yeah, there is a reality that out of sight, out of mind. But when I know whenever I pray, I can feel God's affection for you right away. And my own sense of connection to you is restored. That needs to be happening all through our church family right now, is that there is that prayer which actually is part of keeping us together uh, as a family and making us stronger than ever before. God wants life forevermore. And if you're here this morning and you're not certain that you have eternal life, if you're searching to become connected to God and, and, and you're wanting to, to um, explore, is, is this Jesus real? Or maybe this is an opportune time for you as someone who does believe, where you've got friends and family around you, just like Diane's testimony, that are, are, are poised spiritually, maybe like never before, to ask spiritual questions to somebody that they know and they trust. It, it, it's such a simple pathway that God gave us to truly come into life forevermore. First is that we have to admit, he takes the free will that we've given him that he's given us very seriously. And so we have to say and admit, Lord, I've hurt myself and I've hurt others and I've dishonored you. And I take responsibility for that, not blaming anybody else, but I own, I've made, some, I've made these bad choices in my life. Then we believe that God in his goodness did not turn his back away from a world that had turned its back on him, but instead he walked into the core of our pain and our dysfunction and our hurt and our wars. And he said, I am here to take the burden of your sin upon myself. And therefore, those who believe in me, all guilt and shame is broken off of their life and they are brought into that relationship I intended from the beginning where they are closely God-connected and they're connected to each other and this life that begins now lasts for eternity, all sins completely forgiven. Believe that good news then we commit because following Jesus, this is not just a momentary experience, but it's a lifetime commitment to say, you're now my Lord and my Savior. I will live a life aligned to your decrees, even as I enjoy the freedom that your salvation has brought. And then declare, let other people know of the good news that you've come to believe, and in turn, also be baptized in water as a, a, an open public celebration of the faith that you have now committed yourself to life forevermore. Family, unity is worth fighting for, right? Unity is worth preserving. Unity is worth, worth making the effort for. And to be a Jesus community in which truly we are a place of healing, physical healing, relational healing, spiritual healing, the water of life being released in our midst, this is our heart's desire. And may heaven decree again and again into the life of the Garden Community Church, into the city of Bakersfield. Life, 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 life. And before we close, I uh, would just welcome you. Um, Samuel is going to be available out in the parking lot if you'd like personal prayer this morning. Uh, but also, you can uh, just go onto the church website. And there's a, a drop down there for a prayer request. You can let us know of your prayer needs. You can also inf indicate if it's a confidential need, you, you only want to share it uh, with pastors and leaders, or if that's something the general body can pray about. Or you can join our Facebook page that's devoted exclusively uh, to the garden needs and prayer, and uh, people will just join in and pray. Let's have more testimonies, right?
Let's pray for each other and uh, see God's life released. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you so much. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, you loved us with a love that bridged heaven and hell. You loved us when we were so much unlike you. You loved us when we were at our most unlovable. And I pray for each one here that they would afresh experience the love of Abba. They would experience the Father's love in a brand new way and, and to know how deeply that, that you care for them and you know them and you value them. You personally, personally want them to know your great affection Father, bring it to all our lives in a brand new way. And as we experience that love, may we learn more and more how to love each other in that way, to love each other as you have loved us. And Father, that would help us, Lord, be more committed than ever to doing life together. Lord, that we'd be more committed than ever to bridge gaps that have developed. We'd be more committed than ever to be patient and work through challenges in relationship. Father, we'd be more committed than ever to reflect to this world what this world cannot do, to reflect the community that has come to know the love of God and live it out no matter how different we are from each other. And Holy Spirit, as this unity is continued to be birthed in our midst, continue to decree life in the name of Jesus over every sick body in the name of Jesus. Father, over every couple that wants to conceive right now, we speak life in Jesus' name. Father, as you have before in the history of this church, Father, for those that were struggling, Father, in this area that you've, you, you've created healing, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for life in Jesus' name for every couple that is seeking to conceive. Father, for every baby about to be born, we decree life and safety, Lord, over that process. Father, for every family, Father, that is facing uncertainty, life in Jesus' name. Father, for every diagnosis, Lord, that sort of takes our breath away, we decree your life in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you've done and the testimonies that we've shared. Lord, what we've seen your hand do for Carl and for Joe and for Diane. Now do it again, Father, in our lives, we pray, and do it more than ever, Lord, that there could come the acknowledgement there is a power at work in our lives that is greater than human ability. There's a power that is the power of the one raised from the dead to give eternal life. And Jesus, may be, you be exalted in all things, I pray. Father, you're so good to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Samuel comes to dismiss us.